Are you okay? <laughs> Roma, I've got a real big problem. What's going on? Uh, see, I'm, I'm my high school's basketball star, but over the, over the winter break, I met this girl who taught me that I really like to sing. But now all oh. my friends are mad because I'm spending less time with basketball and spending more time with singing. Yeah? Yeah, it's really rough. I, there's only so many hours in the day, and you can only be one type of person, and I don't know how to choose. And Roma, do you know what the worst part is? What, what's the worst part? The gods have decided that humanity no longer deserves to live, and now I have to fight the gods of basketball and singing. Roma, do you want to talk about the hit manga and anime series <laughs> Record of Ragnarok? <laughs> You bet your sweet grass I do, but how did you get High School Musical into this? We'll have to figure it out later. Let's go. <laughs> you moved my headset off. <laughs> At long last, seven million years of human history, the apocalypse shall not occur from the fallout of nuclear war. Extraterrestrial invasion, nor catastrophic asteroid collision. The extinction of mankind shall be ushered forth by the will of the gods, the very beings who created the human race, and who have now chosen to destroy it. Should we allow mankind to exist for another thousand years? to the hyperfixation where my friends come onto my show and tell us about things that they're excited about for 30 to 45 minutes or longer because who gives a shit the timer is a lie my name is roma austin and i use the they and them pronouns and today i'm joined by a returning guest host the one you love the one you need the one who's going to bring peace to humanity theo Hey, what's up, everyone? Thank you very much, Roma. I am truly soaring and flying to be on this podcast again today. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm so fucking excited to talk about Record of Ragnarok. Ah, it's going to be yeah, so no, good. Yeah, no, I think I think even before we can get into uh, the thing itself, because in advance, if anyone just if anyone wants something to just hang their perception on of what this is that we're about to talk about. Anime, manga series, does a tournament arc thing. But but before we get into what it's actually about, we do need to address the fact that I was trying so hard to be sneaky with what this was. Because I, I, it did not even enter my conscious brain that this might be something with which you were already familiar. So I was like, well, if you need something to name your Discord channel, you can just like name it ROR. You know, no one will ever know. And you're like, dude, are you going to talk about Record of Ragnarok? Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like i've been foiled <laughs> damn it um yeah. honestly though and and there's not too many animes in this world that would have the initials of ror and so and i knew that they came out with a season recently so that's where i was like hmm hmm um uh but i actually have a sh uh i, I don't want to cut you off if you have something you want to mention but i do want to share how i first got into record of ragnarok if you're interested oh absolutely <laughs> hit me 
So you know how I really like VTubers? Already in an interesting place. Let's go. <laughs> so uh, a lot of things happened on this night. So I was making my own VTuber model for the first time. The funny thing is, is that this VTuber model, I had made far too big of a file size. It was like a biblical angel. The file of size VTubers. too thick. Yeah, no, like Live 2D crashed trying to just load in a leg. It was bad. But before <laughs> I hooked it up into Live 2D, when I was drawing it, I had gotten my prescription of ADHD medication for the first time. So I sat on my couch and at seven o'clock at night, I had taken 10 milligrams of my ADHD medication and popped on record of Ragnarok. And by God, did I get shit done. <laughs> so uh-huh. um, I have very clear memories of watching my favorite PowerPoint anime of all time while drawing at record <laughs> rates for having like as an like I took medication when I was a child. But as an adult, for my brain to have one voice and so much focus is like such a core memory for me of success so record of ragnarok has a special place in my heart for how i got into it um but uh as i watched the show progress i like loved it more and more for the story itself rather than how i got into it i mean no that's fair uh my story my story is not as outright dramatic as that i think if i remember right the first time i saw it was on a plane on my phone uh either flying it was either for Christmas or Thanksgiving, and I want to say for Thanksgiving, because I think I was visiting my future in-laws for the first time. Hey, <laughs> and it was just like, I, whenever, I, it, whenever I travel on a plane or like any sort of like non-driving travel, I convince myself I'm going to use that time for reading. And that's not even like a high demand, because I read like an everyday life as well. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get these you know, multiple hours of uninterrupted, you know, just me time. So I'm going to read. I never do. I always just like, wow, I can't focus right now because of like all the travel happening around me. Time for Netflix. Uh, And this just happened to be a series I had downloaded. I don't even remember why I had downloaded it in advance. I think Netflix was just like, you might like this because you liked Ken Ganashira, which, hey, you know, plug for my first episode on this show. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, it was like, yeah, you might like this because you like Ken Ganashira. And I think I'd seen it in the Ken Ganashira subreddit. So, yeah, I downloaded it and I... I will say, I don't think I fell in love with it in that first moment, but the seed was definitely planted. The, oh, the yeah. moment where I truly fell in love with it is going to be when I found out about one of the fights that we'll talk about here in a few minutes. I'm so excited for it. Absolutely. Uh. But, uh, but yeah, I think, I think you're getting a good enough prelude. I figure we might as well now tell the lovely view- listeners at home. I was about to say viewers at home. <laughs> you know when you view a podcast? Uh, when you just watch the waveform of the podcast? But in that case, then, yeah, I guess we can go ahead and give the, the lovely listeners at home uh, an idea of what this anime or manga or whatever, whatever beautiful piece of fiction you want to call it uh, actually is. And then from there, we can get into broader specific opinions with also just a recap of all the batshit fights in this series. I'm so excited. Yeah. So uh, uh, what Record of Ragnarok is, is it proposes a world in which all of the different pantheons of like every religion and mythology all coexist and if you're asking wait how did the show explain this it doesn't don't fucking worry about it don't worry uh, <laughs> but it's, yeah like all of them exist and the one in charge is zeus which but jesus also exists as we find out later so already some interesting questions of how and who comes into power but don't worry about it don't worry about it uh zeus is in charge and he has held a vote all gods vote whether or not we kill the human race and of course, because by this point we've invented cryptocurrency, the gods unanimously decide that we deserve to die. Uh, but is, wait. is it cryptocurrency or NFTs? 
Uh, you know what? The gods probably weren't picky. Uh, <laughs> I think both made it on the list. Um, but uh, but wait, says Brunhilde of the Valkyries of Norse mythology, and then she, in a completely non-ironic manner, pulls the same shit that starts the plot of Space Jam. Because she pulls out a rule book that says you have to give them a chance to defend themselves. Because yes, so it, turns, it turns out humanity cannot be erased by the gods unless the gods defeat humanity in a series of 13 one-on-one matches with like, you know, seven out of 13. That is how many you need to win to win the tournament. That's how math works. The gods math. must beat 13 human champions in this tournament called the Ragnarok. Uh... You get it? It's like it's like Ragnarok. It's like the end of the world. Uh, <laughs> and the end of the world as we know it. Sorry. It, exactly. Like you know, it's so. Yeah. It's it is the entire story is just thirteen gods from whatever pantheon, like the author feels like, and thirteen random quote unquote. Uh, not you know it's not random. It's ever portrayed as random, but thirteen human champions from anywhere in all of human history or location. Uh are now just fighting each other one-on-one and it is insanely stupid and kind of kicks ass, but I do need to qualify going forward because this is, you, you know how sometimes you have a series that all you can do is talk shit about it, but you love it anyway. Yes. That for me is a little bit record of Ragnarok because there's so many individual decisions that I love and then a lot of individual decisions that I'm like, this fucking sucks. Why did they do this? But it all makes this hole that I have been obsessed with for the last several weeks. I'm so happy to hear this. Um, Absolutely. I uh, I lovingly call this anime because I haven't read the manga. I know that there's a manga and I think if anyone's listened to the last episode where like I read a shit ton of manga in a short period of time and I have a really hard time getting back into it. But when this show came out, I lovingly referred to it as my PowerPoint anime. Um, oh, yeah. Because it would constantly take these, like, jolting stops. It's like, hey, here's this new guy. But I need to tell you about, like, who this guy is. And then you do this whole PowerPoint about his backstory. And then we get to the fight. And then, you so, know, we... <laughs> <laughs> so most people call it a PowerPoint anime for a different reason. <laughs> and I just shared why in the chat. <laughs> well, let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Let me get into the chat. <laughs> it's uh, for those who, <laughs> in case uh, you're not watching this, you're listening to this in the background, um, or you're just listening to this outright, however Roma ends up editing this. Uh, <laughs> the animation in the adaptation, they clearly didn't always have the highest budget. No. So, so there are points, and the, there's especially one infamous moment in like the second fight, which is supposed to be like a JoJo's grade pummel duel. Just two did. Two, two, dude, two, two dudes smacking the shit out of each other in close quarter, just wham, 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 wham. And the way they get this across is by like PowerPoint shuffling between a few still frames for like half a minute. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not even like just not enough. Uh, it's not even that just animated awkwardly. It's just not animated. They aren't moving. They are frozen still no. and just playing the sound of like two meat mallets being smacked against each other. <laughs> You know what's my other favorite PowerPoint anime? Oh, what is it? Way of the House Husband. <laughs> They're See, so <laughs> bad about it. But in like, it makes yeah. sense. It's a little slice of lifey, but it's just literal like 
See that one, I, I that one is don't want to get too far off topic. That one I have I read the manga first because Riss got it for me. Yeah, uh, and then I tried to watch the anime, and I'm here to spoil it for you. The anime is just panel for panel the manga. It is. Yeah. it's not even a PowerPoint anime. It's just a motion comic. Yeah, <laughs> I do love I do love the comic though. It's a fucking oh. way the house husband could be a separate episode. I think. I um, yes, I please. <laughs> I would love yeah. to talk about it. <laughs> absolutely uh but yeah record of ragnarok is it's, it's it's a series i have so much to say about not all of it is positive but all of it is passionate the the way i would put it and the way i'm gonna put it last before we actually roll into talking about what fucking happens in it uh i'm stealing this line from h bomber guy but is it is it good i don't know but it's certainly the most <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah that is record of ragnarok in a nutshell is it good who fucking knows but it's a lot it's uh, amazing <laughs> yeah so like like we we're talking about the very start of the like the very start of the show the premise is just you know gods versus humans any god versus theoretically any human in human history so what sort of pulls do we make uh i don't want to give the full list of humans right away because I do nah. also want to like surprise the audience a little bit, even though I think yeah, 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 you probably you probably remember like some of the crazier names of the list, right? I um, and I think this is good to preface is that I watched all of season one when it came out, so I it's been a minute, it's been a hot couple years since that's fair. I've seen it, and then I started the new season, and I think I got as far as like the second or third fight, and I watched like a, a an analysis video a couple days ago to just like refresh my memory and, and like get some juices going. So some of them will be in a, a re-surprise for me. It's like repackaging an old Christmas gift, you know, mm-hmm. like, so I'd be, it'll I'd be, be glad good. to give you your early Christmas gift. <laughs> Thank uh, you. And also, I want to preface, if, I, if it sounds like I'm not facing my microphone when I talk, it is because I'm not. My computer is such a piece of shit that to save its, like, CPU a little bit. I closed Firefox and I'm reading my notes off my phone. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so if I'm like, if it sounds like I'm not talking to the microphones because I've had to look down at my notes. No, but, you're uh, fine. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so really quick, uh, just descriptor of like behind the scenes people for Record of Ragnarok. So want to like don't want to don't want to shut their good work. Uh, it's written by Shinya Umamura and Takumi Fukui, illustrated by Azichika. Azichika? I don't I guess it'd be Azichika. Although it might be Aji Chika. I found a few different names for them. It's super weird. Uh, but yeah, it, uh, previous things they've worked on. Uh, Takumi Fukui, I couldn't really find anything. Uh, but Shinya Umamura, his big thing was Chiruran Shinsengumi Requiem. Some sort of manga about the Shinsengumi, which I have not read. But some of its characters show up in Record of Ragnarok, which, hey, hot take. I kind of love it when, man- when man- mangaka do that shit. Oh, yeah. Uh, when they when they do multiple very different manga and they don't make them crossovers. It's not like it's not an endgame situation where they're all building some event, but it is just like the background characters from one will show up in the other. It's just always uh, funny to me. What was it? Uh, I was just talking to my kid about uh, Twilight behind the scenes stuff. And you know how like they put uh, like the what's his name? The guy who made uh, Marvel stuff. Oh, Stanley. What's his name? Yeah, so you know how Stan Lee's in the background of stuff because he's he made it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess Stephanie or Stephanie Myers was in Twilight background characters twice, but yeah, yeah, just that shit. Whether it's the creators or their characters, like I think that shit's really cool. Yeah, no, I always it's always funny to me when characters overlap, not in meaningful ways, but just that little bit of like, oh, I recognize you. Um, <gasps> I know you. 
<laughs> but uh but yeah uh that's the basic premise of record of ragnarok that's who made it now we get into the juicy bits so uh who is the first fight of record of ragnarok do you remember roma oh i can oh. give you a hint the god uh, is thor of the norse pantheon uh so is thor no i don't actually i i'm very ashamed <laughs> Blue fucking boo of the three kingdoms. Oh, that's like, dynasty warriors. And like, wait, I guess also the real romance of the three kingdoms. <laughs> <gasps> dynasty warriors is so cool. I wish China was real. Um, <laughs> what? But uh, but yeah, no. That, so like the so already it starts out strong with a wild pull of yeah, fucking Norse God of Thunder Thor versus Chinese, like, Romance of the Three Kingdoms general legendary warrior, Lu Bu. And before we say anything else, I need to, I need to open with the hot take. I fucking hate the Thor design. I need I to look at him so again. Much. Let me look at him. I've got him. I've got a link somewhere. One second. Yeah, no, I feel like I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I also agree. Uh, if he needs to be. Uh, he he did not need to look like that. I I guess I can see how like I can see why they think it slaps and but I yeah, no. absolutely it's so bad like yeah for, for the for the listeners at home uh what we're looking at is essentially a stoic looking redheaded twunk arguably twink uh <laughs> definitely leans more on twunk than twink twunk <laughs> but like but yeah, no, because it's like, yeah, that's what they do. They make a stoic pretty boy. Maybe not fully stoic, but definitely erring more on stoic he, than, he oh, I don't know. He belongs in a dating simulator. I that's mean, what oh he God. is. And, uh, see, implying the actual Thor doesn't. Um, True. Because <laughs> it's like, no, that's, because yeah, they, they make him like this very, you know, stone-faced. He's bored because no one can ever give him a challenging fight. You know, anytime he's not... In this first match, he's like sitting quietly somewhere watching the other matches. And mm -hmm. it's I don't know why they chose to go with Thor and then make him not even a little bit like Thor of the fucking Aesir. You know, Thor, the Norse god who is basically a Jack Black who fights loud, <laughs> boisterous, friendly with anyone, but will fuck you up if you're one yeah. of his enemies and just loves to fight. And hey, here's critical. Literally could not be this like super svelte, you know, lean twink or twunk or whatever, because the dude eats nonstop. Thor could eradicate the entire menu of the Cheesecake Factory as an appetizer. Bruh. <laughs> that is that is Thor of the Osir. That is Thor Odin's son. And so they decide, yeah, what if you made him like, oh, this pretty boy? I'm like, you made the wrong decision. <laughs> like the, like this, this preface is. I keep using the word preface. We need to find a new uh, a new word. Uh, this edges. No, uh, <laughs> but this is to me a recurring problem with the manga or I guess the series. We can say manga or anime, but the series is that its character designs are hugely hit or miss. Some of them are really cool and really interesting and weird, like some we're going to get to later. But then some of them I just really I, I think are just so lazy or dumb. Yeah, uh, like I mentioned Thor. Another one is that one of the spectators for the fights is Aphrodite, uh, <laughs> which, yeah, you, you already remember who I'm talking mm, about. I had such a problem. Well, I had a I had mixed emotions because uh, you, you get your get, 
Yeah, I can't get into it. I think I'm just going to pop up an image on the screen or you need to go. You know what? Actually, if you're at work, don't Google Ragnarok Aphrodite. Yeah, but... no. Uh, her, her entire bit is that she's an Aryan waif with massive gazongoids. There's like, what is it? Are they what's holding her gazongoids, though? They look like golems, sort of yeah. like you're know, just like stone men. Like, I'm not sure them. if they ever move, but they just like hold up her titties. And I'm like. It's clearly for a bit. It's it's not really played sexually. It's more for the joke of it. Like there's there's even one gag to get out of it that I do think is funny. Where in the Thor versus Lubu fight, the the shockwave from the battle knocks her own tits into her face, and it's like okay, that's kind of funny. But for the goddess of beauty, this is really what y'all went with. Like yeah. Hades the game went with a better option and I'm not fully in love with what Hades went for because even that felt a little bit like just too easy like oh yeah it's like skinny big titty hourglass you know all right like cool can you bring up something kind of interesting and original uh like (laughs) (sighs) maybe maybe this is woke of me to complain about you know um (laughs) What do you call it? I think in a in a way, I think it depends on the perspective. Because yeah, I would agree. I would also love to see something a little more like original, but also in fr- there's two different perspectives. One, a marketing perspective. If you need people to watch your show, you better get that fan service going. You no, know, so I can see where like from a from a, a an editorial perspective or marketing, it's like yeah, give 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 them big old bazongas and make it ridiculous. Um, but from another perspective of if that's how Af- they perceived Aphrodite, I'm so glad they at least gave her somebody to help with her back pain. Or two people to help with that back pain. Um, that's amazing. If I had big old gazongas, if I had two bitches to walk them around for me all day, I would be so grateful. Oh my god, <laughs> that's your takeaway from Aphrodite. It's like, hey, you know what? I'm no. not sure I love <laughs> There's, what was it? Uh, I did a lot of research on who framed Roger Rabbit, uh, Ro- Jessica Rabbit. Um, that was like one of the things with Jessica Rabbit was that she was she was she's not she's drawn that way. And that she, if she was real, that bitch would snap in half like that. There's too much <laughs> weight. Dis- the, the weight distribution's fucked. And so I think the way they handled it was very clever. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's just, I, to me, it's just it is a character design issue. I think it was yeah. I, I get they were going for a joke. It just seemed to me a lazy poll for the goddess of beauty when you have so many so many routes you could take. It felt yeah. to me that they went for just something really lame. Um, Does she fight? I don't remember. Oh, absolutely not. This is actually this is something I'm going to get into uh, later for actually the last round that's been published. Uh, there are no female fighters on either side, uh, and Rude. especially for the gods, I think that is hugely egregious. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so the, the first fight, Thor versus Lupu. We're already opening up with an interesting matchup here. Uh the fight, honestly though, doesn't have a lot to talk about it, except again, something I really that that gets specifically me, Theodore Monk mad. Uh <laughs> is that one of the first major like turns in the fight is that Thor, oh, he's taking this fight seriously. He's two-handing Mjolnir. Uh, which I if you don't know who Mjolnir is, uh God bless you for not having seen any MCU films. You are so lucky Rah. in this human race right now. But anyway, oh my uh, he's, he's two-handing his hammer, which you can't two-hand Mjolnir. The whole point of the myth is that it, the handle was fucked up. 
The handle was only long enough for one hand. It was too short. You can't do hand Mjolnir. So it's like, and this, this is where we start into something. It's like another thing that is both really hit or miss with this series. I'm not always sure how deeply I should look into it because I, I already feel like I am crossing into CinemaSins territory. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like, uh, a, in this round, human defeats a god. But how can a human defeat a god? Seems ridiculous. Ding! Uh, like, and I don't want to do that. Like we opened with, it's a fun, stupid series. But the thing the series sometimes does is it'll pull out something like real, like that no one really knows, like some actual like information that you'd only find if you were looking into it, if you were interested in researching this mythology or this history. Mm-hmm. And then other times it'll do that and reveal like, it'll show that it did the research and be like, but the historical record or the mythological record is wrong, is incorrect. Here's what happened. And then other times it just gets it wrong. And I'm not always sure if it's on purpose, like they didn't care or they just didn't do the research properly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like and the him two-handing Mjolnir, especially with something that happens with Lu Bu. Because, uh, again, the fighter's personalities, Thor has nothing to write home about. Lu Bu is just a dude who really loves to fight and is voiced by KG Tang, which is not an insult to KG Tang. KG Tang is a is a beautiful man and a great actor, mm-hmm. but sometimes they do hire him on just to be guts again. And Lubu is a little bit just guts. Uh, <laughs> Wait, um, hold on. What has this man done? KG Tang? Tang? Oh, he's done a lot of shit. He was Oma and Kangan Ashra. He's guts in the most recent Berserk adaptations. He's Ichiban Kasuga in Like a Dragon. Uh, he's Gojo in uh, Jujutsu Kaisen. Uh, there's definitely other stuff he's done, but those are like the big things that immediately pop out. He's to me. It's got Pilgrim picked off. I I would believe it. He's a great like I I'm fucking good for them. That makes me want to watch oh, it more. He's Dazai. Oh, this is my favorite part of uh, this podcast. It's like, wait, who's the voice actor? I need to know who else this guy was. And then I scroll through IMDb and I'm like, oh, he's all my favorites. Oh yeah, no, KG Tang. He's he voices a lot of shit. And he's always great. And he's again, he's I was not saying too. that. Sorry. Hmm? He's Retsu from, uh, from uh, Baki. Oh, yeah, that's right. He's Kaio Retsu. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, I was not saying that earlier that he's just doing guts again. as like that's a slight on KG Tang. Absolutely uh. not. He plays Lubu very well. It's just in personality. Lubu is I want to fight and I'm mad because no one's ever given me a good challenge. And so like Thor and Lubu are fighting. Uh, and it's like the whole time. I like, oh, I'm so glad we're finally giving each other this challenge. Um. I just realized that this entire time I have, I have started my my description of this series on such a bad note because I've just talked about a first round I clearly don't really care for, which to be fair, I think is everyone, like a lot of people's, uh, like how they encounter Record of Ragnarok because they watch the first match and it's not great, but then we're going to get to the second match and things immediately fucking ratchet up. Um, yeah, the fight kind of proceeds as you expect, you know, back and forth. At one point, Thor hits Lu Bu with the hammer strike that in-universe killed the world ser- world serpent, Jormungandr. Uh, and all it does is break Lu Bu's legs, so they let Lu Bu's horse in on the fight, confirming Lu Bu horse girl. Uh, oh Lu Bu tries to kill Thor by swinging his glaive, or, or however... I, okay, so glaive would be an actor, because that's like the European weapon. I don't know what you'd call it in like Chinese weaponry, though. I'm sure uh, I'll look it up at some point. Yeah, it's definitely somewhere. I think I knew it at one point. Basically, he's, he swings his like spear onto Thor and like this secret technique called Sky Eater. It doesn't work. 
Lu Bu loses. So that's the first round. Uh, Can I? Oh, hmm? no, you, I, I have something I want to add into it, but I want to let you finish your thought. Oh, yeah, no, like that. I just basically wanted to cap off the first round because I realized I don't want to spend 20 minutes on a round just recapping every blow for blow minute when that yeah, round no. is frankly just not very interesting. The series kind of starts on a, on a dud, frankly. That's okay. <laughs> it's allowed, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember watching this series. Uh, there were this show and every episode and just thinking that it's just two meaty men bashing on each other. And I just kind of was just happy with that. It's just like, yeah, they're meaty men beating on each other. And I love to see it like just, you know, uh, my one brain cell having a great time. Um, but I didn't realize until three days ago that each fight had some sort of like intense meaning to it. <laughs> oh, basically, yeah. Like that is every fight is themed after like. Oh, the like uh, uh, the strongest god versus the strongest human, the father of the gods versus the father of man, and so on. Uh, in fact, yeah. you should remember to bring those up because the fights after these generally bangers. Uh, and so I, I might have a little easier time remembering like, uh, the I, theming. But yeah, I have a an image that I'll drop into chat that we can. Oh, I better refer see to. this image. Um, it's got. Here we go. Give me that. Give me that delicious im. Give you the juice. <laughs> okay yeah yeah i think this is oh it's interesting this is leaving out the most recent fight um yeah wait most recent fight which one uh the most we'll get to that later but round okay. nine uh but anyway yeah so first round is as a win for the gods that's the important part humanity sees that they can they can wound the gods because lubu does injure thor nice uh, and there's a little give and take but humanity loses the first round. Oh no, boohoo. Uh, the second round immediately does something I thought was really interesting. Because remember how I, I remember like six years ago and I said that Zeus was the was in charge of all the gods. He was the head honcho. Yeah, he's everyone's dad. Yeah. Uh, so normally in like any other tournament arc, he would fight last, right? He would be way later on. Uh, Record of Ragnarok throws him out second. Uh, and in universe, it is strictly because he just was so fucking horny for the fight that he couldn't hold himself back. And he, there's actually there's a scene that is really good. I remember how funny it is in the anime, but it is it is really well done in the manga where uh, because the, the second fight they're preparing to throw out the Hindu god Shiva uh, as in like Shiva, the destroyer. Yeah. Uh, he's about to go out and fight. But then Zeus just rolls up, taps him on the shoulder and say, says, it's my turn. And she was like, what the fuck? No, it's mine. We agreed you'd go last. And Zeus just goes again like, it's my turn. And just keeps repeating that as he like very slowly just drags Shiva down to the ground until Shiva just gives up and lets him go. And already I think that's actually a really interesting play to make that like they subvert that expectation of like, oh yeah, the most powerful God, you know, the asshole we've been building up to the whole time is going to go last. No, he's going right away. We're fucking starting high here. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Zeus is the second fighter for the gods. I'm going to guess, Roma, you do remember who fights second for the humans. I do. And I remember it pissed me off. So you know how Thor pissed oh. you off? <laughs> oh, um, Adam pissed me off, but not okay. in the way that you think. Not in the exact one for one way. Um, it oh, was because he's a short king. No, <laughs> it was because of his his uh, what what the the Valkyries gave him. Um, 
Oh, oh, and we haven't actually talked about the Valkyries yet, which, hey, might be thematically <laughs> meaningful for the other things I have to say. Uh, if I remember correctly, and if I'm allowed to get into it, the, no, the yeah, uh, what's her name again? Oh, yeah, Brunhilde. We, Brunhilde. We, I kind of didn't emphasize it earlier. Brunhilde of the Valkyries and her younger sister, Gull, essentially act as, like, the, the, the leader figures for the humans team. They're the one, like, mostly Brunhilde is the one selecting yeah. champions to go out and fight. Yeah, it's like that Kingdom Hearts chess match, but mm-hmm. uh, what do you call it? But yeah, so the Valkyries, will they turn into weapons for these people, right? For the humans? Yeah, they, I think the term in the, in the fiction is Volan. They're Volander. Uh, yeah. They, they literally, like, they synchronize with their humans. They fucking, they, they have to see if they're drift compatible with their human. Uh, and yeah. if they are, then they turn into some sort of weapon for that human champion. Magical girl which, transformation. Which, <laughs> and it's like, and that's how the humans are able to, it's made pretty abundantly clear. That's the only reason humans can stand uh, on equal footing with the gods and wound them is because they have been given these divine weapons. Yeah. And that is the only thing that can harm a god. So that, that, that I think is wonderful. But I think the choice that they made for Adam at the time of watching it a few years ago, I was like, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> what, what, what was so, so for, for the viewers at home? Uh, the weapon in this case is just a pair of knuckle dusters. Why did that piss you off? It just seemed like <sighs> I loved it. It was it was it pissed me off in a loving way of like, why would you just give him knuckle dusters? Like, why <laughs> of all the options of all the things you could have given him, you could have given the man a knife, a sword. You could have given him something that like goes with like Christian lore, like maybe some flaming sword. I don't know. But no, you went with knuckle dusters. <laughs> I was like, that's fine, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't really, I don't really hate it, but I also don't like love it enough that I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go to bat for it and explain to you no. in my three-hour video essay on how the knuckle dusters are actually the best Voland. Because uh, it's like, I, I think it was just the author. The author was like, I want Adam and Zeus to fight barehanded. So, but I that's need fair. them to have a Voland because, like, I put all this effort into like explaining this process. I guess I'll mm-hmm. just give them knuckle dusters. Fuck it. Um. But yeah, before we continue, I do want to point out, it's like, yeah, we didn't stop to talk about the Valkyries. And don't worry, dear listener, that was not because we uh, have short attention spans. That's because the Valkyries basically don't fucking matter. <laughs> They're just there. Like that, that is a thing that I think is whatever else we talk about and being like, oh, this this is weird. This is a bad decision. That is easily the biggest whiff of the entire series is they make this big deal about how one, anyone who dies in the Ragnarok just dies. They don't go to another afterlife. They are essentially erased from existence. Uh, and this theoretically raises the stakes for Brunhilde and Gol because they are sending their sisters, the other Valkyries, out to be the other weapons, to be the other Volans. So, oh no, if a human champion loses and dies, the Voland also gets destroyed and dies too. Shit. Oh my, like, oh, this like makes it so much more intense, except not really. Like, because <laughs> at no point do we really get to know any of the other Valkyries. Yeah. I, <laughs> they, they, they could be divine weapons that also happen to be Goal's favorite toys as a child. And we would be getting the exact same level of emotional investment. Yikes. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't think about it until you mentioned it. I just remember them being like, oh, no, she died. Yeah. And moving like, on. Goal, yeah. Goal is like heartbroken every time like one of the humans loses because one of her sisters has died, which 
yeah, in universe makes sense. I'm not saying this is not yeah. like, why is she crying? Why, why is the water coming from her face? Like, it's just that we I don't care because I don't know who this Valkyrie is. Like, I like Gull. I don't want to see her sad, but uh, I, I don't know this Valkyrie. So I don't give a shit that she's gone. <laughs> you, you forgot to stop and give her a personality. I'm more um, worried about the human that died than the Valkyrie yeah, that the hum- died. Yeah. Yeah, because the humans get like they understandably get the spotlight with the god to like yeah. actually you know develop and, ex- and reveal their backstories uh but yeah we don't get that same thing for uh for the valkyries and it, it, again it's easily the biggest whiff because i think they either needed to not try to raise the stakes through that like oh the, it's an actual valkyrie or whatever or they needed to slow down the pace a little bit you know take take some of the 16 hours they spend on flashbacks and use that for a little <laughs> bit more time getting to know the Valkyries. yeah <laughs> but whatever i don't i don't want to spend too much longer on that that's just if we talk more later about like certain valkyries that show up or yeah. like certain volans or whatever that is the background behind that and it's not very interesting <laughs> Nope. Um, wow, 40 minutes, ep- 40 minutes into this episode. And all I've talked about is how much I don't like certain things about this show. <laughs> no, it's okay. We'll trim it down. We'll, we'll, we'll cut out some extra stuff. It is all yeah. good. We'll make it happen. And I, and I feel like this is a good reminder that hyperfixation does not always mean positive. Sometimes you hyperfixate on something because it just because it is just there because it is stuck in your brain pan and you can't get it out. Uh, that's like almost exclusively Lewis's episodes of like, <laughs> I need a bitch about this right now. But like, obviously not in any sort of negative fashion towards Lewis, but Lewis usually comes on of like, I'm pissed off about Narnia and I need to talk about <laughs> it. I still need to catch up on that episode. I'm almost afraid. Because <laughs> hey, I, 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 listen, I know this might get me canceled, but I still kind of like Narnia. No, uh, Lewis loves Narnia. Don't give me that. Oh. Oh, thank God. Um, but anyway, yeah, uh, somewhere we were talking about the second round, <laughs> Zeus versus Adam. Yeah, and when we've been saying Adam, we are talking about OG biblical Adam. My dad. <laughs> the, the, yeah, the second fighter in the entire tournament is the very first human. Um, and this is the case where I don't hate Adam's character design because it at least has the excuse of they're deliberately going for the sort of Michelangelo look. Like yeah. they, they are using a specific artistic reference. They are twinkifying it, but it is a specific artistic reference. So, whatever. you know, can I share something with you? And I don't mean to derail again, but I, it's been I needed to mention this on the show really badly. Uh, are you on TikTok? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have the app downloaded. No. OK. Whenever someone s- sends me a TikTok, I just click the link and, and watch okay. it in the browser. There's this person. I don't know who it is. He just keeps showing up on my for you page. But this guy has these like, you know, pretend back and forth talking with himself. But it's supposed to be another person where he has this whole theory that like Loki actually has killed off all the other gods and is pretending to be the biblical Christian God and like talking about like the situation with Adam and Eve eating the apple in Eden. But it's actually like uh, this other like uh, Aiden or whatever this other apple orchard that a god had that gives you like longer life and like intelligence and stuff you know what i mean so when i after seeing those tiktoks about where uh adam and eve actually ate an apple that gave them god powers (laughs) i uh can't stop thinking about it just occasionally and that's really a bad short explanation but i i need to find that whenever i find it again i'm going to send it to you and make you watch them i I'm so what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, wait. So this is a fiction within the TikTok? This isn't like a TV show or manga no, that he's No. No, this is a real this is real. Talking about how this guy has is this theory based on actual like 
historical text amongst like Norse mythology, Christian mythology, and so on and so forth, where Loki actually killed off all the other gods and has been pretending to be the biblical Christian god, and like how other like text and other events kind of like would make sense of like it does make sense that Adam and Eve eat actually this kind of apple that gave them god powers and then by doing that took the apple orchard away from the other gods so they don't have god powers anymore and they all die and that's how adam and eve got a longer lifespan and you know etc cetera, etc cetera. and then moving down i'm really just going off of memory here but i always mm-hmm. watch them and i always find them very fascinating and it keeps making me think that uh it's just loki and that's why everything's the way it is <laughs> what text what the, i'm sorry you're losing me and be like oh like mythologically or religiously this makes more sense like what the fuck is he citing i, I well it's a tiktok he doesn't have enough time to cite these things no, but no, no, i no, no, just no. believe him if you're gonna like if he's just like doing his own like christian norse crossover fan fiction okay like kind of redundant considering a lot of what surviving norse mythology we have was clearly like kind of flavored by christian missionaries at the Mm. time but if you're gonna try to be like oh actually like christian like really like the the christian mythology what if it was loki you better cite what you're fucking bringing this up (laughs) otherwise you are just writing fan fiction (laughs) i will find it for you we will discuss this more at another date (laughs) yeah like absolutely i'm sorry if if this is something someone is doing for fun cool if someone's trying to pass this off as like an academic exercise i'm gonna punch them in the throat (laughs) it's it's just like one of those fun like things that uh make your brain kind of think for a second of like hmm that that sounds neat but i don't think the man's actually trying to say that like that is for real for real he's just like no, it's just kind of interesting not i'm not trying to argue i think he's trying to say it's like actually what literally happened but like if he's trying to say that is like his academic dissertation that no. in these mythologies that's no. what's being said that's like no. what no it's it's you know how like for example of like well you know in the news this happened but i noticed this other event happened so he's putting his own like red lines together on a court board you know all right <laughs> uh oh and while we were looking away uh, adam died oh no oh, oh god we missed the adam this is zeus match and adam died uh yeah oh. that's how the second round goes uh adam and zeus fight and this fucks up brunhilde's plan because she genuinely didn't think Zeus would fight until the very end, so she was hoping they could sweep the tournament before that point. So Zeus fighting Adam, uh, it it goes well for a while. They're yeah. relatively evenly matched, but then yeah, like Zeus ekes out a win, uh, and it actually works really well. Some of the other lead up to that point, you might already be wa- wondering, wait, biblical Adam, which you earlier said Zeus was in charge of the gods. So like, what happened? It it's basically a loose retelling of Genesis, except there's no Yahweh uh because yeah. it's uh because what they set up is that uh adam and eve were created by the gods so they're, like they're closest to the gods but then one of the gods who is just confusingly is just they they act like the serpent in eden was just his own god which okay um it's like he was trying to get with eve and he was mad when she rebuffed him so he like lied and said she ate the apple at the tree uh she ate the apple of the tree uh of knowledge of good and evil uh, and oh no, she's going to get kicked out of Eden and now like she's going to be alone without Adam. So he went to that trial, uh, ate apples in front of everybody while spitting them out and decided he would leave Eden with Eve. Serpent boy got really pissed about this. And so Adam killed him with his special power that gives him like his edge in the fight, which is just simply that he can look at what a god does and then do it. Uh, Copy paste. Yeah, basically, it's, I think it's 
in the manga, it's called I've seen it called Divine Reflection. I think in the anime, it's Eyes of the Lord. Maybe I've, maybe I saw that somewhere else. But like, hmm. there's a few different translations. Basically, it's yeah, he can see techniques that God is using, like, say, Zeus and throw it right back at. Him. And that's how mm-hmm. he lasts as long as he does, because he's just copying all of Zeus's wild swings. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they do one interesting thing with Zeus where he has a technique named for Kronos. That is a punch that is literally faster than time. Uh, Bro. Somehow, somehow Adam reads it fast enough to use it as a counter to its own attack and avoid getting hit by it, which is very nice. Oh, uh, counter. Yeah, like, you know, he counters the attack before it's happened with its own attack. Uh, it's some good shit. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, then, then Zeus pulls out his final form, which is named for a fictional 13... 30- we were talking earlier about doing, like, uh, mythology fan fiction. The anime and manga posit that there was a 13th, like, great Greek god who just got fucking killed by Poseidon named Adamus. Uh, who is the god of conquest. Uh, and so yeah. Zeus has a form named for him called Adamus form, where he, I, I don't think this is how it works in real life, but he compresses all of his muscles so that, like, all that potential energy has got to go somewhere. Um, but, oh, no, he can only use this form for so long uh, before it, like, kind of tears him apart. Uh, they get in a pummel duel in the anime. It's a PowerPoint slide. Adam goes blind from being too badass. He does get one great badass line. I do genuinely love this line. So does everyone in the fandom where uh, everyone has assumed that Adam is fighting out of hatred for the gods, that he wants revenge. And they kind of bring this up and Zeus is like, you don't have that hatred in your eyes. Why are you fighting for us? Uh, And Adam replies, a reason. Does any father need a reason to defend his children? Uh, And it makes every single human being ever in history unite in prayer for their father. Oh, dude, that popped off when that came up. I was just like, that's my dad. Yeah. And then Adam dies. Yeah, (laughs) he does. He he does win the it's it's a fucking stupid ass like not, not stupid ass. This is a stupid ass positive where it's like he wins the pummel duel but died partway through it and Bruh. kept punching. Like, it, like, literally, this is how the fight ends. They're in the pummel duel. They're punching, just punching each other in the face, like, back and forth. And then Zeus collapses, and Adam is standing, and everyone's like, oh, Zeus has collapsed. This is the end. Like, Adam has won. Wait a minute. He's dead. And <laughs> Zeus is like, just yes, kidding. he died partway through, but his body would not give up. Uh. And yeah, uh, humanity loses the first two matches of the tournament. Um, and it's it, it, like, yeah, it's, it kind of sets a tone. It, that is the one that is one thing I really like about this. Actually, many things I like about the second round. And I think why many people cite it as like the moment Ragnarok gets good is that it subverts multiple ways. The big bad guy fights really early on. He is not the final boss. He is straight in from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and someone like Adam, who you'd expect to be like, the guy who wins, the first human, the most specialist boy, he loses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I really like the way that those stakes play. The first the first uh, episode, the first match gives us the idea that, yeah, humanity is going to have an uphill battle fighting the gods. The second episode really emphasizes how uphill that battle is going to be. Not even yeah. the progenitor of all humankind is safe. Uh, so this is where we get raring. Uh, 
quick intermission before we get to the third episode. We forgot to bring up another thing I really like about this show. Oh, no. And oh, that is forget. how they do Heimdall. Uh, it's just it's I don't have a lot to say about this. I just think it's a creative choice that like in in Norse Ragnarok, uh, like in, you know, in, the, in that in that tale of the apocalypse, the whole idea is that Heimdall will blow his Yaller horn to signal the apocalypse. That is the only time he he blows on the Yaller horn. Uh, and so having it be that he is the fight announcer for the Ragnarok <laughs> and the Yaller horn is his intercom is really good. <laughs> I was like so confused. I'm like, who are you talking about? And then uh, once you mentioned the horn, I went, oh, that motherfucker. Yeah, I like, love him. <laughs> yeah, Heimdall is a really good announcer, partially because they just they they really lean into him constantly being confused to the point of like kind of being humiliated. Mm-hmm. There's, there's multiple fights where he's not just confused by what's happening in the fight, but there's just like fuckery behind the scenes as to how the fight is being set up. Yeah. Uh, like who is fighting? And yeah, and, and again, the fact that the Yaller horn is like the intercom for Ragnarok, I think is really clever. <laughs> that like, is, that's his microphone. Um, it's amazing. But anyway, yeah, the third match. So we're talking about the second match is a lot of people's favorite. It is not mine. And the third match is also not my favorite, but it does have my favorite fighter. And that is the fighter for the humans. Uh, Kojiro Sasaki or Sasaki Kojiro, however you want to name. I love it, him. It, yeah. Uh, yeah, I have it in my notes as Sasaki Kojiro. So we're just going to I'm just going to go with that. Okay. Uh, yeah. So uh, Sasaki Kojiro, a real life samurai who in the in the series is referred to as humanity's greatest loser uh and in real me. life <laughs> just I mean, for real for real <laughs> yeah i mean and while the show exaggerates what his real historical like win rate record was like in real life it is kind of inarguable to say that his most famous like his most famous contribution to history is getting fucking murked by, by miyamoto musashi <laughs> oops <laughs> Yeah, like uh, oh I'm sure there's some history nerds who are like, yes, I know this one. This is a reference for me. I understand this. You don't have to explain it, but unfortunately, I'm gonna have to explain it for everyone else. But yeah, in real life, Sasaki Kojiro, his most famous thing was that he got a duel with Miyamoto Musashi. That Musashi was late to, on purpose, to fuck with Sasaki Kojiro, uh, and then killed Sasaki Kojiro with an oar. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, that is the that is the real life historical record of that fight. But in the anime, they or in the series rather, instead of going with Musashi, they go with Sasaki Kojiro for the reason in that even though he is uh, history's greatest loser, he always used those losses to improve, which leads to again another like time out before the show has so many little creative decisions that I love, and they are just buried beneath a lot of creative decisions that fucking baffle me. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's that they establish that every fighter in the Ragnarok. Uh, for the human side, for the gods, this wouldn't matter. But every human appears in their prime. So for a lot of these fighters, that's their 20s, that's their 30s, maybe their 40s. Uh, it is whenever the prime of their life would have been. And Sasaki Kojiro, even though he died relatively young, like 20s or 30s, he in the Ragnarok is an old man. Mm-hmm. And the reason for this is because his theoretical prime would have been with a lifetime of defeats and growing from those defeats. Yeah. So he's this unparalleled swordsman who has just never stopped improving. He is a master of sheer technique. And he is pitted against Poseidon of the Greek pantheon, who is just a raging, flaming asshole. I hated him so much. A lot of people like him, and I don't hate him as, like, out of kayfabe. I think he's, like, whatever. Um, But yeah, his role in kayfabe is just that he is this, like, super haughty, 
like pompous god who thinks that being a god is just all you need you know a god doesn't conspire a god does not rely upon others a god needs no one else i am the prettiest bitch in the room thank you very much <laughs> uh and uh yeah that like so you were talking about earlier thematic differences in these fights like poseidon is you know the the mightiest of the gods maybe not the mightiest of the gods but like the proudest of the gods and so meanwhile it's being pitted against uh, history's greatest loser mm-hmm. uh and yeah this fight i overall like but i especially like sasaki kodro as a character uh because i do just find it really interesting how they play it like, yeah he is not he's not like Lu Bu, where he's just this innate level of strength he's not adam where he has some superpower he is simply experienced enough and has given enough of a shit about his craft that the start of the fight the fight the start of the fight does a fake out where like it shows him running up on poseidon and the poseidon like spears him through the chest and is like oh shit like that was a quick loss uh mm-hmm. and he comes out and sasaki and sasaki's like nope can't attack him like that and it turns out that he is literally just running through you know you know when you're going to bed at night and you go through arguments in your head because <laughs> you can't go to sleep yeah sasaki kojiro does that with real fights in the middle of real fights <laughs> and so i'm like, like- remembering because i didn't remember any of this and now that you're mentioning it it's like popping up my head i'm like oh yeah i love this so much yeah it's just he he is not strong not fast not like divinely gifted he is just he is a son of a bitch who has put his heart and soul into the sword and there's even like some good uh dialogue play in the audience where like miyamoto musashi's son is like dad why is that guy fighting instead of you aren't you the guy who like beat him on ganryu island and Miyamoto Musashi is just watching. And he actually, even there's a really funny moment where uh, his son's like, you should be in there after all. You wrote the Book of Five Rings, like the manual on martial arts even to this day. And when Musashi first sees, uh, first sees Kojiro do literally anything, he fucking destroys the Book of Five Rings in one sword slash. And his son's like, Dad, why did you destroy that? And he's like, because it has been rendered obsolete. like they get so i think this is actually i'm only saying this just now i think that's actually a really clever move to take the dude who is more commonly thought of as the strongest sword fighter in history and use him as the hype man for the guy you're playing in the tournament Uh, i think they play that i think they do that really well Uh, and and so the fight goes and kojiro like he keeps improving in the fight in ways that i think are both interesting thematically and as a character and they play it symbolically in a way i like where he is you know that the the stock cliche thing where if you want to portray a character is like overwhelmed or some other shit they're like drowning in the water and it's quiet it's isolated and just like sinking you know it's all metaphorical and symbolic like can you picture what i'm talking about yeah exactly i know exactly what you're talking about so they do that but in this case it works because it's showing how overwhelmed he is with poseidon's sheer power because, hey, Poseidon's attack for this entire match is poke. He just pokes with his trident repeatedly. Yeah. I don't think I could be wrong about this. I don't think he ever moves from his starting point. He just like thrusts with his trident. And if it start, if the t- tables start turning on him, he just starts thrusting faster. Eight. Um, <laughs> and uh, and yeah, so like Kojiro keeps improving. He keeps evolving his own sword style in the middle of the fight. Uh, and it actually ends up in this really cool moment where it looks like Poseidon has caught and then broken his longsword, his Japanese longsword, which I think has an actual name, but they do mention its joke name for how big it is, is the laundry pole. 
Oh my uh, god! That Poseidon breaks it, uh, and Co- and Sasaki's like, "Oh shit, this sucks." But then it splits into two Volans, and it becomes an evolution of Miyamoto Musashi's sword style because that particular Valkyrie is one of those where she kind of has like, I mean, they don't use this word. She's essentially bipolar <laughs> in the in the in the at least in the stereotypical sense of like she is literally like one to another end of her personality in like one go. Gotcha. Um, and in the basis for that is the this Valkyrie in question, Harist, I think is how they say her name. In Sounds in right. in the actual like Norse documents, her name translates as both the trembling one and the quaking one. So she she vacillates between being kind of like demure and like melancholic and being ready to snap a motherfucker's head off. <laughs> uh, and so I think I think the fact that they earn like that sort of double translation of her name and that then also turns into like him being able to dual wield uh, these swords in the style of Miyamoto Musashi sword style in the middle of the fight evolving further is really good. And then we were talking about earlier the imagery of him beating Poseidon or of him losing against Poseidon rather. The mm-hmm. way they signal the turn in the fight is he's sinking, he's sinking. Oh my God, like a hole opens up because Poseidon's even more powerful. He's sinking. And then his sword touches the bottom of the ocean. And finally it clicks and he takes Poseidon out. He finally <clears throat> he finally reaches the depths of Poseidon. And give it to Poseidon. He does not go out easy. Poseidon goes out by, first he loses his trident arms. Kojiro cuts it off. So Poseidon mm-hmm. grabs his own disembodied arm with the other hand, goes in for a second attack, loses that arm. Oh, shit, what's he going to do? Bites the trident, <laughs> catches it in his teeth, and she goes in for another attack. And finally, Gojiro completes the sushification process and just decapitates that motherfucker. History's greatest loser earns humanity its first win. And... Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mildly spoil something here. The Greek gods are obviously very pissed off about this, uh, about this development, and they want to get vengeance. If the and if this was a "It's Always Sunny" episode, we would then come up with a title card of the Greek gods get their shit pushed in for four fighters in a row. Bruh. <laughs> yeah, because okay, yeah, Zeus wins, then Poseidon loses, and like multiple times after this, they are going to send in other greek pantheon fighters to like get their revenge and they're gonna keep losing <laughs> um so I love to uh, hear with that's with that spoiler in uh, in and out of the way uh <laughs> yeah this is the third fight so we're uh gods are up to humanity or gods have two humanity has one so the gods yeah. are winning but humanity has done the impossible now the gods are shitting themselves yeah uh so then we get the next match and roma this is my favorite match of the series really Jack the ripper Versus fucking Hercules. I actually wasn't super into this one. I really like the Hercules versus Jack the Ripper fight. I okay. think I think thematically and in execution, it's a real. I mean, I have the bias of I talked about earlier. The moment I really got into the series, it was when I found out about this fight. It was when someone when someone told me that the fourth fight of Record of Ragnarok is Hercules versus Jack the Ripper. You know, because that's just such a wild pole. That's such a wild matchup, crazier than any of the three we've had thus far. You know, I'm <laughs> I'm really excited to hear 
what what makes you super excited about it because i like when i was watching it i was like i thought it was a neat concept but they like actually watching it i just didn't get that into it so i want to what, what what you got for me what's going on okay so as yeah so as we've already introduced that the the whole chick of this fight is the yeah, it's hercules fighting on behalf of the gods which is going to be uh funny for a few reasons uh here in a little bit because even though he's fighting for the gods he does hercules does love humanity yeah uh he he is saying that he's going to fight for the gods, but he is going to send like uh, entreat Zeus and the others to spare the humans. Uh, so basically, Hercules is a liberal. Uh, he's not going to he's not going to overturn the system. He's going to participate in it, but ask very hard for things to change. Um, yeah, <laughs> like it's going to be extremely funny here in a couple matches. Oh um, boy! But yeah, like he's on good terms with Brunhilde and Gold. They're all friends, and yeah, but he's going to fight for the gods. Uh, and the human champion is the historical serial killer, Jack the Ripper. And immediately the question is, oh, so they reveal who it is. I mean, not really. Like, that's one thing I'll actually give it to him. They don't try to, like, do some historical thing of actually it was this guy. It's a random dude. It's Jack yeah. the Ripper. We're not going to some guy. Yeah, we're not going to worry about a reveal of who a historical figure he is. He's just a murderer. Uh, and so already the reason I like this is because of the sort of flip between face and heel while still maintaining the gods versus humans dynamic because yeah. like they announced the human champion the humans are all like well i don't want us to be eradicated but i'm not sure i can root for jack the ripper i do remember this <laughs> whereas whereas hercules i mean this is where i get once again to kind of break from mythology hercules is just basically the disney movie version of hercules this is the hercules we would have gotten if he'd been like you know what fuck meg i do want to be a god <laughs> Because it's like he's super selfless and heroic. He wants to save all humankind in life before he ascended to godhood. He was just he wanted to protect everyone, even his city of Thebes against the gods. And so he like took on this great risk, became a god, became this like beautifully muscular, heroic man of the god. I've lost where the strain of thought was going. But uh, yeah, so that is that is the match of this fight. And I really like that being the dynamic that. Uh, Brunhilde looked at the fact they were fighting this incredibly powerful hero on the god side and went, I need to find the worst piece of shit who will take every ounce of like honor he is given. I need I need to counter this honorable fighter with someone who will take full advantage of that. Yeah, I really I really like that as the concept, because like, yeah, from the beginning, Jack the Ripper takes advantage of Hercules by going, hey, how about we take make this arena Victorian London? Uh give me a home field advantage. And Hercules is like, sure. And so out the gate, Jack the Ripper has the advantage and continues to press it by being a big old coward and piece of shit. Uh. <laughs> I do, do distinctly remember, though, like when uh, before the match even happened, like Hercules and Brunhilde had a conversation, right? And if, if I remember it, I feel like I could be remembering it wrong, but it just felt like, you know, hey, uh, this might be the last time we chat. And it's like, yeah, I love you, but outside, I'll, I'll never see you again. Have a nice day. <laughs> I mean, a little bit. Yeah. Like <laughs> the Brun humans got to win. <laughs> yeah. Like Brunhilde is like she she approaches this match stone cold. She does not answer Hercules with another great fighter who will like stand toe to toe with them and see who is more powerful. She answers him with someone who will press on every single one of his vulnerabilities. Yeah. Um, most especially the fact that he is someone who is honorable and honest. And wants to face things head on because Jack the Ripper's first move in the fight is to run the fuck away. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he 
He pulls out his Voland, which is a giant pair of scissors, fights for a little bit, and then runs. And Hercules follows him. What's this? Jack is pouring himself some tea. Do you want some? <laughs> Hercules steps forward. Like, he triggers a tripwire. N- knives fall down. Uh, but they don't pierce him. But, like, yeah, like it's already showing that Jack the Ripper is not going to fight Hercules head on. He is going to take him out at, like, subtle as a knife. Yeah. Uh, fittingly enough. Um, and they're fighting, and Hercules breaks the scissors, and everyone's like, oh, shit, Jack's Voland, his defined weapon. The only thing that can hurt Hercules, it's, like, it's gone now. Like, how is Jack going to uh, gonna win this? So Jack throws, up like, some more knives at Hercules, and Hercules is like, yeah, these will bounce off my skin, too. No, they don't. No, they don't. This time, they stab in. And so it turns out what happened was Jack the Ripper fucking lied. His Voland was not the scissors. It's the bags at his side, like these little, like, shoulder pouches. Uh, mm-hmm. And as he says, like anything I put into these pouches, I like that they become divine treasures. I so it has to be smaller than the pouch, but I can do this. And he like starts throwing more knives and it's like it's fucking Hercules up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to give a play by play of literally everything that happens in the fight. <laughs> I've sort of gotten uh, a little I've gotten a little you got excited over that. Yeah, That's not good. again, I th- like as a concept and in execution of the concept, this is my favorite fight. Oh, yeah. This is the fight where I really like. The, just the matchup is one of the few times where Brunhilde has seemingly put actual strategy into her picks. Because the rest yeah. of the time, it's just like, I'll do the one that most is the most thematically fitting. Or like, I'll just throw this dude out. But this is the one time where she's like, okay, I know this dude. I know how he fights. So I'm going to answer with the worst possible option for him. Um, yeah. But doesn't that turn around toward the end? I don't yeah, want to so, jump ahead too far, but. Well, so yeah, they, they fight back and forth, you know, Hercules does some shit. He he. Tur- it turns out he's got like his own power up where he can he can bring power he got from the twelve tasks of Hercules uh, to launch special attacks. But of course, if he does too many of them, it'll kill him. So it kind of limits him. Um, and so Jack is going. At one point, Hercules knocks over Big Ben, and Jack is like hanging from the clock face. And so, like in a seeming desperation attack, he rips off the clock face and throws it at Hercules. And Hercules is like. All right, parry this. You know, like he holds up his arm and the base of Big Ben cuts off his arm <gasps> and everyone is speechless because it turned out Jack lied again. This is the part <laughs> I like. Jack lies multiple times and it's like, yeah, hey, wait, why did we think he was telling the truth the second time? Because it turns out, yeah, no, the Voland was never his scissors. It was never the bags. It was his gloves. Anything he touches turns into a divine weapon. And then there's the everyone having the oh shit moment of, oh, he's been running all around London. Everything is already a weapon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah, it goes from there. They fight back and forth. And in the end, uh, Jack wins. Jack defeats Hercules. Mm-hmm. And specifically the way he defeats Hercules is by he deliberately takes an injury in the side uh, after after Hercules has activated like his final forbidden technique, basically it's like a what is it like the eight gates in Naruto? The like the thing that guy can't do or it'll kill him. I have, I haven't I haven't I don't know. Well, but basically, Her- person. <laughs> basically Hercules activates like his his forbidden technique that if he uses it for too long, it, you know it'll kill him, but it makes it stronger while he's using it. So you know he's gonna try to kill Jack with it. But yeah, Jack deliberately takes an injury while Hercules is in this form and he's on the back foot. Uh, and then it's like, it looks like he's trying to hold the injury closed. He's stabbed through the side. You know, he's getting yeah. blood all over his gloves. Oh, oh beans. Oh, shit. I'm going to have such a dry cleaning bill. 
And then as it looks like Hercules is about to gank him, Jack stabs him through the chest with both hands because now his blood is a divine treasure. Oh my God. And yeah, he just absolutely murders him. And Hercules dies. This this heroic character who genuinely loved humanity dies. And mm-hmm. he dies loving Jack the Ripper. Like this is the like this is another reason I love the fight. Is I think the way they play the sort of emotional back and forth between Jack and Hercules is well done mm-hmm. because Jack I, Jack's backstory is a little sort of thirteen year old boy idea of edgy. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not bad. It's just like oh he was a prostitute son growing up on the streets, but he loved his mother and he thought his mother loved him. Uh, but then it turned out his mother saw him as a meal ticket when she lost it. Uh, he killed her and then his dad. Uh, also, he can see emotions. That's why he kills people. Like, that's literally when they need to give the reason of why he is Jack the Ripper, why he is a serial killer. Uh, that is the reason why. It's because he can see emotions and he finds the color of fear at the moment of death. The most beautiful color. I didn't know that. And that is wild <laughs> yeah like it it's not, it's not a tactical advantage like you think of like this aura vision would be like they would find some way to make it like ah, i can see your next move but it's no it's just he really loves the color people turn when they're about to die uh but hercules doesn't turn that color his final color when he dies is love for jack the ripper and jack the ripper realizes he has finally met someone who loves him unconditionally and he has just <laughs> murdered him no <laughs> and so it's like it's actually Kind of, I think it's kind of emotional. I mean, I'm not, it's not Dostoevsky. It's not, it's not like going to go in the Library of Congress, but it should. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But it's a good moment for what it is. And I think it's played very well. Um, Also, uh, (laughs) Sir Arthur Conan Doyle and uh, Shakespeare are commentating on Jack the Ripper's fight. I forgot to mention this. I remember this. It was okay. Yeah, the different fights have like character appropriate commentators. Uh, like all the way back in round one, Thor has like some minor Norse god who's commentating, and Liu Bu has like his second in command, Chen Gong, like commentating. Uh, most of the time, like like because we only have two hours here, so like I didn't want to like do a roll call of every minor character because most of them are one-off gags, so it doesn't matter. But in this <laughs> case, yeah, it's worth mentioning that yeah, Jack the Ripper has Sir Arthur Conan Doyle basically cosplaying as Sherlock Holmes, uh, and Shakespeare <laughs> like talking about the fight. Um, yeah but yeah so jack the ripper wins uh humanity is now tied with the gods uh and yeah so like this, <laughs> yeah, the gods are now really shitting themselves and the greek ones are especially pissed off at the fact that they just lost they just lost another greek god they went in for ve- revenge they got embarrassed again um, oops mm-hmm. yep uh so now we're on to round five <laughs> and this is where we get into uh the moment that a vocal minority of the fandom's criticisms got slightly allayed, because uh, one thing that often comes up about this series is how of the 13 competitors for humanity, four of them are all from Japan, which, as a lot of people pointed out, when you have all of human history across the entire world, that is a little bit of creator provincialism. It's a little bit of favoritism toward your own folk heroes. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it 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 annoys me only insofar as I think there would have been some I I there are entire continents who don't get any heroes, that don't get any representative on the human side. And like mm-hmm. that's the that's the only reason it really bugs me. 
like if <laughs> uh if they if they'd been a little more even handed like across, like geographically i think it would have been more interesting but whatever you know authors will tend to be a little biased toward the heroes of their of their culture and history so all yeah. right um but this is this is the fight that actually kind of allayed some of those concerns because round five is Raiden is tamemon raiden uh a famous sumo wrestler historical sumo wrestler versus shiva the destroyer of hindu mythology or, hin- or i guess the hindu religion um, yeah which fun fact I, I if i understand correctly that's why india netflix india straight up doesn't allow record for Ragnarok on its service what they, oh yeah because i mean india has a lot like has a massive hindu population and they didn't like one of their major god figures being portrayed in this way i guess i can respect that i just didn't know that that was that's a fun fact for sure yep uh so this yeah round five is basically a slugfest uh but actually a so hmm, i I actually have like a few different opinions about round five because it is an entertaining slugfest for what it is uh my problem with the fight is it essentially kind of reuses the uh a major gimmick from the last fight uh which is you know i talked about how hercules pulls out his forbidden technique and if he uses it too much he'll die uh this fight reuses that at the end for both fighters <laughs> so it's a little bit like well, you can't do this you just did this um Oops. but what does make this fight worth watching is both backstories are actually like i really like them. i think the mm-hmm. backstories are strongest in this fight or at least if not the strongest ones up there uh because shiva's backstory in this fight i want to preface i do not know anything about the hindu religion this all may be so inaccurate as to be genuinely offensive and so maybe I am propagating a horrifically, like, abusively offensive portrayal of Shiva the Destroyer here. Oh, no. Uh, should that be the case? D- my deepest apologies. It's done in ignorance, not malice. Um, <laughs> but heard. Uh, in this case, what it is, is that it was Shiva the Destroyer and Rudra, the god of storms. You know, they they were just two, like, country bumpkins. And they say India, which is funny because I don't know if they mean, like, India, India or, like, gods like uh, behind the curtains india it's kind of ambiguous but whatever um mm-hmm. they just decide to one day go marching across india fighting every other god in the country uh to become the number one of all in, in all of india uh, i need to grab a quick drink of water one second do you think um i i while you're drinking your water i just want to clarify that i did not see any of the fights moving forward the only thing oh, I, I i got some information from that analysis video i watched um, but I mostly paid attention to like the one after this fight and the one after that, um, and a little bit of the last fight. Otherwise, I know nothing. I Absolute. have not seen anything from this point on. <laughs> oh, then now, now this is where. <coughs> Sorry. <clears throat> anyway, and now this is where I get to take you on a ride. This is now you're in my <laughs> domain. Because uh, <laughs> yeah, this fight is the world is history's greatest sumo wrestler versus the top god of India. Bruh. Oh, excuse me, because yeah, Shiva and his friend Rudra, who I do want to say they're played as like brotherly best friends. They could very easily be boyfriends. Boyfriends? <laughs> like, like, I don't I don't say that in just like a queer got like queer shipping goggles sort of way. I say that is just looking at the way they interact and the tragedy of when they finally have to fight each other to prove who is the true number one god of India. Mm-hmm. Th- these could be lovers these could be two dudes who are deeply in love i <laughs> love to the hear way this played uh <laughs> like 
I don't know. I could, you could, it's one of those where you could see it as I genuinely either way, but the fact that you could read it as gay without doing too much like interpretation, mm-hmm. like, mm, mm, they were roommates. Uh, and they were roommates. <clears throat> but yeah, that is, that is Shiva's backstory is that like he basically in the end had to defeat his best friend to become the top god of India. He, had to, uh, he does not kill Rudra. That is the one thing they, yep. they step back from. Uh, okay. But yeah, like they <laughs> they have this whole journey together and then have to fight each other. Uh, whereas Raiden's I really like in that they started on a bit of body horror where he had to invent new muscles in his body to keep his, the existing muscles from crushing his bones. What? <laughs> yeah, uh, the way they explain it is that when he was three years old, uh and like he couldn't walk yet but then like he finally one day could get up and walk but his muscles were so innately strong that they broke all the bones in his body so to keep his muscles from killing himself he had to develop new muscles within his body called the hundred seals or the hundred gates that kept the those other muscles all those other muscles basically acted as a power limiter to keep everything in check uh, which is not how the human body works, but no. fuck it, that's rules. <laughs> I like Do the what idea you want, of, I guess. <laughs> I, yeah, I like the idea of your body just spontaneously composing like a hundred new muscles. Um, but don't worry, <laughs> he can break the hundred gates now because his Valkyrie turns into a jockstrap. What? <laughs> not, not literally. It, she turns into, I think they call it like an exoskeletal sumo belt that uh, it is a it is a super buff Valkyrie named Thrude, who in the prose and poetic edda, I think she is the like embodiment of strength among the Valkyries. Mm. She's this big, buff, beautiful woman who uh, I one I think you would like her character design. Let me see if I can find it somewhere. Oh, I uh, see. Or you can Google it. You can look up record What's of Ragnarok Thrude. Uh, spelled T H R U D. Uh, and she she becomes his Volander. Uh, <laughs> but when she does, she like makes a gas like, oh, ha, like you think I'm like kind of a freak. Right. And he he his immediate response, Raiden's immediate response is she's hot. Yes. <laughs> and runs I up agree. on her. Yeah, he runs up on her. And first she thinks he's mocking her and he just looks up and he goes, I'm dead serious. <laughs> and so they immediately <laughs> fall in love. I love that so much. <laughs> uh, and so she becomes like. She basically takes the place of his hundred gates to become to to limit the output of his muscles so he doesn't fucking kill himself. Uh, hold on, I'm finding I'm posing a picture of Tommy Mon Raiden because you've definitely seen Shiva, uh, but I, I don't know if you've seen Raiden by this point. Um, uh, I mean, I've got the that one picture I dropped in there and that's all I've got. Yeah. And like, here's another picture of Raiden. Uh, those red markings you're seeing on his body, that is through that is through keeping his muscles in check. I want one. I want. I want a milady to keep my muscles in check. Damn, don't we all? Don't um, we all? <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Uh, he uh, he managed to get his muscles in check. He kept from not dying. At the age of five, he managed to, by sheer accident, defeat another boy in his village at sumo, just like on a whim, so badly that the other boy thought he was a fucking monster. Uh, and she's like, "Mom, why am I a freak who like?" fucks people up and his mom's like don't you work like hey your 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 strength is a gift from the gods and just remember always use it to help the weak always use it to 
help the weak, not, you know, bully them, not impose upon them. And mm-hmm. so, like, he grows up, he he becomes, again, like, like I, I'm sorry to keep going back to Disney's Hercules. He becomes almost like the good ending version of Disney's Hercules, of just helping people around the village. You know, he's just he's just a good, good boy. Good boy. Uh, and then the and then the great Tenmei famine strikes, which I think this is a real historical event. Let me look up Tenmei famine. Yeah, the Great Tenmei Famine. So this was a real historical famine, 1782, where, uh, yeah, like a volcano erupted, covered a substantial portion of the land in ash and fucked up everyone's crops. So he goes to the city to become a sumo wrestler to support uh, his village. Mm-hmm. And uh, while he's there, he learns the art of sumo. He like learns techniques to further amplify his powers. And then there's like one scene that I think really makes it where he's he's been fighting a lot of matches. He's been kicking ass. He's been making his mentor proud. And he sees that the other dude is terrified. And like before Raiden can even move, the guy's like, please don't hurt me. And Raiden throws the match, which, as I understand it in sumo, is like a huge no, no. Like that is that is beyond shame to throw to throw a sumo match. It is a spit in the face to the martial. Would it be a martial art or a sport? I guess a sport. Uh, to the sport. Um, yeah. And his mentor like sh- like walks up on him prepared to chew him out. Like, how dare you do this? A slap in the face to Sumo. And Raiden turns around and Raiden is sobbing. Raiden is a wreck because he's like, I promised my mom I wouldn't use my strength to like bully the weak. And I feel like it's what I'm doing now. But I can't stop because I need to send this money back to my village so they don't starve. Oh, uh, and so like so like the way i think the series puts it is, is like su- he loved sumo but sumo never loved him back because it's like he could never fight with his full strength because he was afraid of like hurting people like of hurting people weaker than him i love you um so his fight with shiva is the first time that he is able to fight with not just a full strength but the full range of sumo techniques because when oh he starts God. he's not using sumo he drop kicks shiva he dropkicks Shiva right in the face, and it's really good. Get him. Um, but then when he starts fighting, once he releases the Hundred Gates, and he starts fighting with Sumo, uh, he his first move is he crushes one of Shiva's forearms with, like, basically, uh, basically, it's like twisting the arm, he crushes it in his hands. And then he does a Teppo strike, which if you've never seen Sumo, Teppo is, like, basically a palm thrust just out. Uh, okay. It's not a smack. It's not like a roundhouse smack. It's just, like, Take your palm, boom, like right into the other dude. Um, and he destroys two more of Shiva's arms clean. He he literally does the tepo. Shiva covers his face with two of his arms and both arms are blown off. So with like in a few strikes, Raiden reduces Shiva from four arms to one. Uh, four arms. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> and. Yeah, the rest of the fight is basically them like and it's a little bit of a, this is one thing where I said the, the actual procession of the fight is kind of a letdown because it ends up reusing the thing of like, oh, well, like their forbidden techniques are going to kill them if they don't end the fight soon because Raiden's strength is once again starting to destroy his own body because Throod can only do so much. Uh, and Shiva, Shiva throws his fist into his chest and manually increases his heart rate heart rate to enter his Tandava karma form, his world destroying form, which give, makes him stronger. But also, if he doesn't end the fight soon, will literally burn him to ash. Uh, and so they fight. I'll, I'll cut to the chase because we've been here for an hour and a half already. And I'm like, 
I don't know if we'll have time for the full nine. Just Um, go for it. I've had five hour episodes. Just go for it. (laughs) But anyway, uh, yeah, Raiden loses. Uh, He he gives it his all. But he's he's ecstatic even in defeat because he has finally been given a chance to use his full strength. Mm -hmm. Uh, And even better, he dies standing. He never he like like a true sumo. He never falls to his knees. He never gets knocked over. He always catches his footing. And when Shiva finally kills him, he stays on his feet. He never Ooh. falls. Uh, Baby. And Shiva, who up to this point in the series has been like a super asshole about humans. He has the predictable one. Like, you know what? Humans actually kind of kick ass because that was a great fight. Uh, that put me through my paces. Uh, and see, it's. The fight itself to me is so so, but I think the I think the backstories will really make it. Like Ryan's oh, yeah. especially, I really like that it plays the fact that he he loves sumo and he loves doing it, but he also feels guilty because he feels like his natural strength is causing him to just like be an asshole to all these dudes. Mm. Uh, so he has to find ways to like kind of make it fair again. It's good, I like it. And now, but but you know who doesn't like it is humanity because the gods are now up one. Which leads us into round six. And now we're fully, I think we're now fully in territory you haven't seen yet. Because you you were not this far in the in the anime. No, but I did see some of the, like, I know little chunks from these fights from the analysis video. So, like, I can, I could still picture it in my head and follow along. And I can kind of get with, like, the, the nitty gritty of it is. But I don't know the play by play of what happened. Gotcha. Well, round six. Uh, round six is where the tournament really puts the turn in tournament um, because we mentioned at the start of the series, they do reveal who is fighting on which side. They reveal the lineups for the gods and for the humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for the gods, one of the names was Buddha. Was the Buddha of Buddhism. Mm-hmm. So already this is interesting. Then, and then later on, we see Buddha and he's basically a hipster. I love his design. I love him so much. Yeah, Just from the little design. information I know, he's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, so he 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 is going to fight on the god's side. Round six comes along. Zeus comes to him and says straight up, hey, I want you to fight next round. And Buddha's like, all right, fine, but don't tell me what to do. Because Buddha Buddha's literally <laughs> referred to as the most powerful adolescent. Because in the series, I this is another case where I am not well-versed in Buddhism, so I don't know how deep into inaccuracy this gets. Presumably pretty far in. But Buddha's whole thing is that, like, you know, in heaven, in heaven and on earth, he alone is the honored one. He does what he says. He does, he does not do what Zeus tells him. He does not do what anyone else tells him. He goes his own way. Mm-hmm. So when round six kicks off and Heimdall introduces him, he keeps he keeps he walks into the arena. He walks to like the god starting spot and then he keeps walking. And then he keeps walking and then he's on the human side. And he takes Heimdall's got he takes Heimdall's Yallerhorn and he says, I'm fighting for humanity. Any god Bruh. who steps in my way is gonna die. <gasps> and so, yeah, immediately massive turnabout. Wait a minute. What the fuck? A god is fighting for humanity, and not just a god, but one of the 13 gods who was going to fight for the gods. What the fuck? Okay, who is replacing Buddha? Well. Rome, have you ever heard of the seven gods of fortune? <laughs> no. Uh, so I believe yeah, they're, ja- they're a Japanese pantheon. I don't think they're a religion unto themselves, but they are like their own contained pantheon of seven gods. Yeah. Uh, each has like their own like 
niche within the whole. I don't have all of them memorized, and that would be also itself like a lot to recount. Uh, some of them are Japanese born. Some of them kind of rotated in from like India or China. The point is uh-huh. they are seven gods of fortune. They're, they're seen as seven luck gods and like luck for different trades. Like one is like a merchant god. One is like a fisherman's god. One is a fighter's god. So on. Uh, uh-huh. The seven gods approach in the arena. And so at first it seems like they're uh, not their leader, but the one who represents the fighters of uh, Vice Ravana that he's going to fight. Uh-huh. And then it turns out they're not seven gods. They're one god. Ladies and gentlemen, meet Zero Fuku. <laughs> Zero Fuku is uh, essentially, in, this is not real. None of, this is one case where I know this is not the actual mythology. But okay. in the world of Record of Ragnarok, uh, Zero Fuku was a god of fortune a long time ago. And he wanted to take humans' misfortunes away from them. Uh, mm-hmm. And so he would travel the land and he would literally like take the misfortunes into himself. He would let himself absorb all of this pain, all of this bad luck, all of the suffering, and he would take it upon himself because he thought it would bring about happiness for the humans. Uh, It does not, because, of course, it turns out just removing someone's hardships, it might make their life easier. It doesn't make them a good person. No. Uh, And it does. And like, so it leads to a lot of self-destructive behavior on the parts of these humans. Um, Uh Yeah. And then what? But then Buddha in this time, in this flashback, literally strolls in and brings happiness to these people by reminding that reminding them that humanity comes from within. Hmm. And Zero Fuku loses his mind because he cannot believe he went to all of this effort of doing right by humans, of taking their misfortunes. And then this other human, not even a god yet, but a regular ass human brings them their own happiness. Uh, this guy. <laughs> yeah, just this this motherfucking guy. Um and so Zero Fuku literally has to split into the seven gods of fortune so that he does not end the world. Uh but for the tournament he f- comes back into Zero Fuku. Uh let me actually see. I might have another image of Zero Fuku. Oh yeah, I have a quick image of how Zero Fuku looked before uh becoming this fucking crazy monstrosity. Um because, yeah, he's just a guy. He's just a little guy. He's just a little guy. Uh, yeah, before anything else, I want to take a quick aside to say, uh, <laughs> maybe this is just me being weird. I do think Zero Fuku and Buddha have slight T for T energy. You know, um, I can see that. I can yeah. see that. I see where this, you're coming from. Th- this may also be the bias that I found out Zero Fuku. I, I, I was already thinking this beforehand, but this also kind of fanned those things. Zero Fuku's voice actor uh, in the dub is a trans woman, I believe. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's like that may have also that kind of helps inform it, I think. But just they have the vibes, especially in the relationship they have during the fight, because Zero Fuku is on the back foot for the entire fight. Buddha, like he he is so pissed off at Buddha. He wants his vengeance on Buddha and Buddha is just not giving him the time of day, not even giving him a clean shot because Buddha literally has clairvoyance. He is so enlightened that he can see what your soul is going to do a few moments before you do it. And so he just uses that to fucking kick ass. I um, am. Oh, my God. I am mean, so in love with this. I. And meanwhile, uh, Zero Fuku <laughs> his. I want to make a special mention for Zero Fuku's weapon, uh, because I think it has like a particular name in the original Japanese. They get like, you know, the axe of some fortunes or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I want to give props to the 
dubbers, to the translators, because they make his his acts of misfortune, his his key and signature weapon. They call it the the I'm trying to think of a good way to say it. It's hard to say the catastrophe. What the catastrophe? The catastrophe. Someone needs to be fired for that. It's so funny because <laughs> they, they don't stop to make a joke of it. They play it dead straight. Ares. Oh, we forgot to mention Ares is one of the constant commentators for the God side, and he's a fucking loser. Imagine <laughs> if Launchpad McQuack was a virgin. Um, Who's that? I don't know you who don't that know is. who Launchpad McQuack is? No. Ducktales. No. Uh, you need to watch the fucking Ducktales. We're, I we're do. Having, we're having a fucking we're having a fucking Disney Plus night after this. But um, <laughs> but yeah, no. Ares is the god of war, and his role in this manga is to fucking get every piece of analysis in the fights wrong and be corrected by Hermes. Oh my god. <laughs> um. But yeah, so Zero Fuku and Buddha fight, and Zero Fuku the whole fight. He's just flailing, angry, trying to kill the Buddha. Uh, and Buddha is just like. He's just knocking him back and forth until finally Buddha gives him the key to realize, wait a minute, happiness is within myself. And then they just have a they just drop their weapons and their powers and they just have a fist fight. And Buddha literally beats the misfortune out of Zero Fuku and returns him to his original self. And it's like, wow, Buddha, like, thank you. Like, you know what? I guess I. I guess I, like I really all I ever needed was to listen to you and realize what you were saying. Hey, why are my horns drilling back into my head? And this is when the fight turns. That is not where the fight ends. You, this, this is where you thought it was enough of a switch up to go from Buddha to Vice Ravana to all of the seven for, gods of fortune melding into each other into Zero Fuku. You thought that was enough switch ups? No. Turns out the Abrahamic Beelzebub implanted zero fuku with the seed of the closest thing buddhism has to a devil figure uh which i've seen alternately called hajun maya and papias i'm gonna go with papias because that's what the anime calls him okay Um, and so zero fuku literally has a horrifying transformation into this terrible demon man and 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 the the ultimate fucking twist for this for for buddha his clairvoyance doesn't work on Hajun, doesn't work on Papias, because it, revolves, it revolves around him being able to see your soul, to being able to see the light of your soul. And Papias doesn't have any light in his soul. Oh, no. Yeah. And so this is so yeah. So imagine going from that dude up top who's like, you know, dark and crazy and scraggly to mm-hmm. this sweet, the sweet little boy uh, to this fucking thing. Dude looks like what a man. Lundgren became a Duke of Hell. Bruh. Yeah, and uh yeah, and Buddha goes fittingly enough, goes through hell in this fight. Like I said, it starts with the fact that he can no longer see what uh Papias is gonna do next. His clairvoyance isn't working, so he's having to just rely on his raw combat talent. Unfortunately, Papias nearly destroyed all of hell earlier in the backstory. Uh so oops. Uh oops. But but then Buddha gets a power-up in the form of rediscovering his feeling of hatred uh the, you know an emotion that he abandoned long ago and so his weapon which has been like transforming into different forms based on his emotions transforms into like this crazy ass scythe that's not good enough Bruh. so then what finally happens what finally turns the fight is that buddha he's 
oh, he's lying. He's been beaten. He, he doesn't always going to keep going on. Wait a minute. 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 What's here in the dirt? It's catastrophe. It's the handle to catastrophe. And, that, and so then Buddha undergoes Volander with zero Fuku to create a new, even more powerful weapon. Uh, like, I don't remember what they call it. It's like something. Uh, what do they call this weapon? It's like a sword of fortune, essentially. Uh, and this inflicts such fear into Papias that Buddha becomes capable of seeing his soul again. And just straight up murders this fool uh, and wins the fight for humanity. Uh, and yeah, Zero Fuku dies. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's the bad news. Zero Fuku does die. We nearly had a happy end. We nearly had a happy T for T love story, but not not in this lifetime. Um, no. Yeah. Uh, and I think actually I'm going to make that the last fight ceremony I'm going to give because one, I only have so much energy left. It's 930 no, at night. I don't know if I can explain three more fights with as much uh, intensity as I have thus far. No, uh, valid. And also, this is a fight that is crazy enough that I think it serves as a good like leaving off point. To yeah. try and get people interested, because we have just hit the halfway point. Gods and humanity are at three to three. How do we go from here? Dun, uh, dun, dun. So I think from here, instead of summaries, let's just go over like the remaining fighters, other thoughts we have about the series, and I think that'd just be how we how we wrap this baby up. That's fine with me. Let's yes. go. Cool. Yeah. So uh, we talked at the beginning, like some of the other fighters that are coming in. Do you again? Do you remember any of the others that like caught your eye? Um, when I was watching the the video i was watching earlier i remember there was one god who like or not god this one guy who like got everybody's pain like he took everybody's pain onto himself Ooh, if i remember correctly that's, that's not, not a god, god. that's, that's a human, human fighter that's a human uh, fighter like, yeah well i won't i won't go over the summer yet i'll go to wet people's appetite the next fight after this let me look at my notes to make sure i'm not confusing <laughs> it with another one uh the next fight after this is Hades, the Greek god of the dead, versus Qin Shi Huang, the first emperor of China, the first king Bruh. of China. Bruh. Uh, uh yeah, so in the, you were talking about Dudu absorbs like misery like miseries and pain unto himself. Assuming that wasn't talking about Zero Fuku, like absorbing misfortune. No. That is Qin Shi Huang. In fact, that's actually a thing if you see character art of him, he has a blindfold on, and that's because if he sees an injury. He will feel the pain of that injury himself, but that's partly what makes him a really good king, because <laughs> he can—he knows the pain of his subjects. Oh my goodness! Uh, I so love it's like, that. yeah, it's the next. So the next fight is king versus king, the king of the dead versus the first king of China. Uh, and <laughs> that sounds I will, like a good fight. <laughs> yeah, I, I will. I will. Again, I'm not going to summarize it, but I will say it is a good fight. And quick sidebar: I oh, actually two quick sidebars. The side part of the sidebar. <laughs> One, Hades actually only joins to uh to avenge Poseidon. He was not part of the original lineup. He becomes Buddha's replacement, and everyone shits their pants over it because yeah, God of the Dead. Uh, and in universe, he held the line in Hades against the Gigantomachy by himself. Uh, everyone else was fighting like they call it Valhalla, but because I think my mom will kill me if I say the Greek gods were defending Valhalla. The Greek gods were fighting in Olympus. We're fighting the, the Gigantomachy in Olympus. Uh, and Hades held the line single-handedly down in hell. Bro. Uh, 
And yeah, so it's like, and Hades just as a character design, I'm going to pull him up really quick. So I need to be thirsty for a second. Hades is my favorite character design because he makes me feel things. He makes you feel things? Look at this man. Oh my, oh my, oh Look my at that God. deep cut on his shirt. I, um, I gotta go. Mm-hmm. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, but I, so the other thing is I really like Hades as, I like Hades as a character, just how they play him. Uh, but more importantly, I really appreciate of all the other complaints I've had about mythological and historical accuracy in the show and the series. I really appreciate having a Hades who the Greek gods just don't fucking hate. Like even in pieces of media, I love like Disney's Hercules and the Hades video game. I do Mm -hmm. get tired after a while where the default is just, well, everyone hates Hades because everyone hates the God of the dead. Like, no, it's more complicated than that. (laughs) Wait, what about, wasn't that that, that, uh, that comic where it's like the gods of Olympus one where it shows Hades. Lower Olympus. Yeah. Like they don't show him as, they do. Even in that one, it's not as bad, but even that one, he's kind of like the weird loner almost. Like people don't like, it's not that people outright hate him, but he's just kind of like, no one likes him. Uh, So I like that in Record of Ragnarok, they all appreciate him as a fellow brother. They really like him. He is one of the boys. Uh, The boys are back in town and he is one of them. Boys are back Um, in town. (laughs) um, But yeah, no, the see the other moment, because I think this actually came in sync with learning about Hercules versus Jack the Ripper, where you really start to fall in love with the series is seeing the full roster of human champions, because some of these might have already seemed weird, like from the whole you know, wealth of human history. Like these are the picks that are getting made. Like, uh, you know, like I assume a wrestler, right? Jack the Ripper, like Jack the Ripper is the first one you probably mentioned that would be like, he's not a fighter, though. And like, yeah. And oh, I have to get a quick sidebar, another quick sidebar out of the way while we still have time. This is something that the authors did in the side story that I really hate and is one of the only times in my life I have just decided to straight up ignore the canon of something. Uh, mm-hmm. There's been plenty of times where I dislike the canon of something and I'll just be like, you know what? Like, I'm just not going to think about it. There are a few times where I've just decided, you know what? That didn't happen. I don't care what the author says. Uh, and this is one of them because there's a side story where it turns out that it's not Jack the Ripper. What? Yeah. Uh, it turns out this isn't Jack the Ripper. This is like a proto MI6 agent who took the name Jack the Ripper as like an example to humanity, I guess. Maybe like it, it's really dumb. Literally no one in the fandom likes it. <laughs> Not a single person on the subreddit likes it. They have oh it's a really because it's theoretically it explains why he's able to go toe to toe with like a Greek demigod like Hercules. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in that same vein, it then also takes all the thematic weight out of the fight because he's no longer humanity's greatest evil, or at least the greatest evil they could pull out that we could theoretically root for. Yeah. That is the thing. Like the anime and the manga really emphasize how it's like the pinnacle of human and he's evil, Jack the Ripper. And like people what? pointing out, but you know, there are people in human history who have done way worse things, right? And I thought about that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess there is like a hidden parenthetical to there where it's humanity's greatest evil parentheses that we could still get you to get behind because it's like you couldn't <laughs> you wouldn't be able to put in like Hitler or someone who, yeah, that would be humanity's greatest evil. 
I ain't gonna root for Hitler. People do that unironically in real life, and we don't need to do that for play here. <laughs> like, no, no one in real life is unironically rooting for Jack the Ripper. So that's fun to be like, okay, yeah, yeah, he's 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 the guy in this fight who we want to win. All right, but you couldn't pull in like whole pot. You couldn't pull in like some actual like person who committed real life atrocities and get the same sort of fanfare. That would just be you couldn't carry the bit that far. Um, no. <laughs> All of this to say that, yeah, Jack the Ripper is probably anyone listening to this probably went, that's a weird fight, like fighters choice for humanity, right? Like there'd be other great fighters. Baby, you don't know how the half of it, because, hey, do you know who else is on the list for humanity? Hmm. Oh, let me pull it back up real quick. Do, 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 do. Oh, the contestants for humanity. Hmm. Let me see. Uh, well, like I mentioned, we have Lu Bu. All right. Great warrior. Sasaki Kojiro. You know, a great swordsman. Right. Raiden Tamemon, you know, is a great sumo wrestler. What's Nikola Tesla doing on here? Hey, 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 uh, Mangaka? Why is Rasputin on this list? Hey, what? hey, 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 uh, author man, author man, author man? Why is Nostradamus the prophet on here? <laughs> and why is he another twink? Because that's the thing, Nostradamus has not fought yet. He is supposedly humanity's Joker. He is who's he is who Brunhilda is like saving in reserve, and he is a twink for some reason. Even though every famous representation of Nostradamus is this bearded old French man, he's just a nice little pretty boy now. Oh God! What? <laughs> yeah, like I don't know why. I want to see this twink right now. Oh, uh, let me see if I can find Nostradamus. Hold up. Uh, Ragnarok, oh, Nostradamus. Are, are you keeping up with Chainsaw Man Part 2 manga by chance? Oh, uh, I have not read any of Chainsaw okay. Man yet. I'm not going to spoil anything then. I know um, some spoilers, but it's like, yeah, this is... Uh, can I download this image? I have to do some stupid shit. Uh, WebMP. WebMP. Yeah, can, I know. You can uh, copy-paste WebMPs. I mean, you can, but the the annoying thing of trying to do stuff on my phone is that, uh, like, wiki articles never want to let me just straight up download their image or copy their image. I always Understood. have to, like, onto the page. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's like, yeah, this is what they did for Nostradamus. And by the way, in this universe, he has been in hell for the foreseeable past because he tried to destroy the Bifrost. Why does he look like the twink option in a dating simulator? Yeah, that that is the thing that this this artist team went out of their way to twinkify as many characters as they could. And you know what? I'm partly here for it. But other times I'm like, <laughs> thank you for your service. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Honestly, though, the fighter I am most excited to see, I think the two fighters on each side who have not gone yet that I'm really curious for is that on humanity's side, one of the fighters is Simo Haya, who, if you don't know that name, he is one of the most famous snipers in all of history because he was a Finnish sniper who fought in the Winter War against the Soviet Union during uh, 1939 to 1940. Mm. Uh, and it, he is believed to have killed over 500 enemy soldiers during the Winter War. Highest number of sniper kills in any major conflict. And he, <laughs> and he used it. He no-scoped all those bastards. He used the iron sights on his Mosin Nagant rifle and killed over 500 Soviet soldiers. Wait, I, I just need to know, do they have like a like a code on the bullet that they use to figure this out? Like, how do you so, confirm those? So I will say, 
obviously those that number is probably at least slightly exaggerated and potentially maybe it's totally bullshit but like it's an interest it's an interesting military story that like yeah even that he's like just and nothing else it is confirmed he survived a fucking artillery strike from the soviet and from the soviets and you know he did because his face in real life looked like this don't worry it's not gonna be gross it's just gonna be like it's not like i'm not, I'm not gonna show you blood anymore. yeah no, no i, I, uh, I trust oh, you God damn it, it didn't it didn't download god i hate i hate pulling images on my phone and oh, i hate my okay. computer from making me happy but anyway like yeah no the the white death simo haya uh was fucking like fucking crazy in real life and as a pick for ragnarok is another crazy selection uh and anyway he looks like please download this time <laughs> he looks like this we don't know if he's <laughs> twinkified yet hey y'all look at him i love that yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just I'm just so curious as to what the hell his match will be like, because, yeah, he's a sniper. He's wait, not wait, a match isn't out yet. No, he's he's what because remember, like this, this thing, if, if you've been listening to this and you're like, oh, shit, you spoiled so much. Guess what? It's still ongoing. And even I don't know how it ends yet. I don't know. Like Record of Ragnarok is still going on. Oh, and on shit. the human. Yeah. On the God side, the remaining fighters we have who have not shown. I guess I will start back from the fighters I have not covered. So the next match is Hades versus Chin Shi Huang. The match after that is Beelzebub versus Nikola Tesla, who is wearing power armor. The fight after that is uh, God Phoebus Apollo versus King Leonidas of, uh, of the Spartans of the Battle of 300. And oh after God. that, the remaining fighters who have not had a match announced yet are Loki, Susano no Mikoto, the Japanese lightning god, uh, Anubis, the Egyptian uh, God of the Dead and Odin of the Aesir, and for humanity, we have uh, four of these five options are going to go. Because remember, Buddha picked up a fight, so someone yeah. on this list is not going to get a chance to fight. But we have uh, we have Rasputin, you know, the Mad Monk. Mm-hmm. We have Okita Soji of the Shinsengumi. That's one of the fighters I mentioned earlier, who is a character in that author's other manga. Hey, yeah. He's it's the same Okita Soji, same Okita Soji of the Shinsengumi. Uh, Michelle Nostradamus, Sakata Kintoki, Sakata Kintoki. I don't really know who that is. I think it's a Japanese folk hero who is also friends with Buddha. He's shown up, but he hasn't fought yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, like I mentioned, Simo Haya. Uh, and yeah, of those, I'm really curious what they're going to do with Anubis and if they'll make him a hot jackal man because I am a furry. Mm-hmm. I am, I, and I'm really curious what they do for Simo Haya because, yeah, like, the snipers match and he's not going to have a straight on fight unless he does like <laughs> what's going to happen here. Um, knows? And they are setting up some wild shit in like the background of the monk because one thing I kind of hadn't had a chance to mention to any of those summaries is that Brunhilda has been all but stated to have been planning this Ragnarok long before it actually happened. That there she's is some. Cooking. Yeah, she has been co- she's been on that stove for a hot minute. And it has something to do with Siegfried, the dragon slayer from Norse mythology. Who has shown up only once and he is locked in hell somewhere. So it's like they're still they're still popping that off. Even if I wanted to spoil exactly what's happening, I couldn't. Yeah, Brunhilde has something going on in the background for all these fights. And I am I am both really stoked to see where that goes. And more importantly, what other really stupid shit are we going to get out of this series? 
I'm very excited. I didn't That's honestly new. thought this whole time that the show would be effectively done um, by this season. Cool. I just boldly assumed it was over. I didn't realize that it was a. It's still actively occurring. Nope. The this the season you're on finishes with the Buddha fight. We have not got like, and then Shin Shi Huang shows up at the very end, and that's when it stops. I'm very excited. Yeah, no, I'm. I listen. Hey, and I can tell you, the manga not bad. Uh, and so I guess that's actually a good place to close out. If if this has piqued your interest, in you being Roma, but also you, anyone listening, if you do want to follow up on this and you don't want to wait for more anime to come out, uh, some options for reading. There are plenty of free like translations I found online. Uh, regrettably. Most of them suck. Uh, <laughs> like I tried reading one for like just straight up free. And in the beginning, already one of its lines is like, you know, what what caused humanity's annihilation? A nuclear warfare? And I'm like, nope, I'm gone. Yeah, like, <laughs> like that's not like if you can't nail, like if that is the str- that is the heat you're bringing out the gate. I'm not sure I can handle this. Um, so what options do you have from there? Uh, well, I know of the first 60 something chapters are on Komaiki, uh, which is a manga app, uh, like a manga website that unfortunately, as already alluded to by the fact that I've gone over the free options, some of the opening chapters are free. So you can at least start out, see if you like that translation, see if you like the manga. If you want to keep going, I think it costs about $30 to unlock the rest of the chapters total. Uh, okay. But those are, but if you want to keep reading past that, then up to chapter, I think, 83 has been fan translated through uh, like the few chapters of that have been translated through scans of Ragnarok on the Shumatsu no Valkyrie uh, subreddit, which Shumatsu no Valkyrie is, as you might guess, the Japanese. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, basically, if you want to read the series, you can either just dive into those all those free translations. And when you get about to the 60s mark, switch over to scans of Ragnarok and there'll be a way better translation. Or if you're willing to chill out the dosh a little bit, you can get the Komaiki translations. They're a little cleaner. They're a little better. Uh, and, and what in, <laughs> are almost worth how uh, technologically unstable Komaiki is sometimes. I've gotten so many errors trying to read these chapters. Oh, no. Um, but uh, but yeah, and then once you read all the chapters that are available on that site, switch over to the subreddit. Look over. Look at the scans of Ragnarok chapters from there and you'll be, you'll be up to speed in no time. Because, yeah, the most recent chapter, chapter 83, just finished a match. It just finished the Apollo versus Leonidas match. So if you want to get on the train now, you're starting just in time for a fresh match. Gotcha. Okay. Woof. I am pumped. Absolutely. Uh, I'm so pumped. Like, I... It's a gym, but hyperfixation activated. Let's all... <laughs> no, seriously, like, I... This manga is not... As we, as we opened with, is this manga good? I don't know. It's definitely the most. And that is going to be my final word on a record of Ragnarok. Sounds good. Um, <laughs> no, valid. I my camera just died, but it could stay dead for now. Um, oh, no, your oh, no, your camera died. and went to Niflhel, just like a record of Ragnarok, Niflhel. the anime. Oh, wait, actually, one second. I can fix this. <laughs> I can fix this. Yes. Uh words uh i'm pulling it out of hell i'm like uh that episode of supernatural uh what was it oh season three uh i, I raised <laughs> it from perdition you, did your camera tell you it loves you and did yeah you, <laughs> it went to um, Dermo hell. my uh, camera went on tumblr.com and said it was bisexual and then took it back 
Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for laughing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm back now. Fuck yeah, no. uh, Thank you. I I honest, I I pretty yeah. I just like came out at you at like left field, and I was like, you want to do an app? And you're like, yes, please. No, and listen, hey, and hey, you know what? Now my friends are okay with me doing basketball and singing, and I defeated the god of basketball and music, and that's the only thing we needed today. You brought it back. <laughs> we went full circle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, no, thank you for having me on. It's always fun to just come on here and just dump on you for two hours about whatever the fuck I've been <gasps> getting super into. I needed this. This was beautiful. I um, I also need now to go watch more analyses videos and see what... uh the scholars of youtube have to say as well and then i'll report back and be like yes this is what they had to say <laughs> sounds good oh my is this goodness. part of the show where i give like my handles and whatnot if you want to yeah if you whatever closing statements i feel like we did a lot of closing statements but anything you want to say and then you want to give your handles and we can get we can move yeah sure no i think i've given like i said in my last word i've given my last word <laughs> on record of ragnarok so i'll give my first word as to where you can find me on the internet uh where i'm most active is going to be twitter while it's still alive anyway uh, you can find me at four whole moons. That's four as in the number spelled out. Whole is in not half and moons as in the thing I am. I don't have a funny joke. I'm so tired of record of record rock and it's so hot in my office right now. Oh no. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know what a moon is, idiot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> idiot. <laughs> I don't know why I'm being mean to the audience. They just listen to me talk about a really stupid manga for two hours. Um, but anyway, yeah. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at four whole moons. Uh, that's also basically my blue sky handle. I don't I don't know how you enunciate a blue sky handle beyond just the part you decide. Uh, just type four home moons. You'll find me. Uh, yeah. I also don't really use Tumblr, but if you want to find me and give me a big kiss on the cheek over there, you can, I think that's first of the four moons. Uh, if you want to check out my website, uh, it's going to be www.theodoramonk.com. Uh, that's where I kind of keep like anything I've been doing, anything I've gotten published, because uh, I am also a writer outside of this. I'm theoretically available for hire, but I'm also just working a lot of personal projects right now. So, you know, but if you want to hire me, I'm not going to say no. Uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's where you can find me. It's what I'm doing other than this. And uh, yeah, once again, thanks for having me. Hey, literally anytime. It is always a treat to have you on. I was like oh. bragging. I was like, Tony, I've got the you on my podcast oh. today. I'm so excited. <laughs> Thank um, you. I'm genuinely honored. <laughs> You know, actually, you remember how originally we were going to do this like an hour prior to where we moved it to? Um, yeah. It was really funny because like it was like seven o'clock and Tony's like, oh, your podcast. And I was like, it's in an hour. Thank you. My cabbages, but it's a podcast. The um shit you can find me in my cabbages on the internet too um <laughs> you can find me <clears throat> i'm dying um you can find me on the internet at i appreciate your butt at twitter.com that is i-a-p-p-r-e-c-i the number h-u-r-b-u-t-t or um i can look at your butt um you can appreciate it uh you can find me there on twitter that is now x which i hate to say that uh tumblr you can find me on blue sky um, you can find me in a lot of other places, but those three are going to find me the best. Uh, you can find this podcast as an entire whole at the Hyperfix Pod anywhere at that. But if you go on Redbubble, it's the Hyperfixation. No, it's the Hyperfix Pod on Redbubble, but the Hyperfix Pod on Patreon if you want to support us. Um, 
And then uh, anyone who wanted an update on our website, I did buy the URL, but I didn't finish the process. And they said, uh, you can't have this anymore and returned my money. And I thought it was hilarious. Um, I full stop ADHD the website and they were like, just just take your money. <laughs> just go away. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you to the Moonshot Network for letting us do this podcast. Uh, you can find the Moonshot Network at moonshotpods.com. If you want to see us uh, visually instead of audibly, you can find us at moonshot.mov or moonshot.mov. Um, you'll find the Twitch or the YouTubes there. Um, and you can also support their Patreon as well if you want to support everybody in the network. Um, but those who directly support us here at the Hyperfixation get a shout out at the end of the episode. And those wonderful human beings who give us money so we could keep doing this fun activity is Morgan Gate Levin. And then we also have Flo. Hey, it's Ken is here and supporting the podcast. Becky Scott Fairley is here supporting the podcast. I'm sleepy. <laughs> Last but not least, Ver is here supporting the podcast. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed this song. Um, <laughs> so you too could hear me say your name with my mouth and maybe do something a little goofy, a little silly and tell you I love you if you go to our Patreon. Um, thank you to Offuscate, that is O-F-U-S-K-A-T-E for intro and outro music. You can find them on the internet at SoundCloud or Instagram or Twitter. Um, thank you. We love you. <laughs> Um, so thank you, uh, for coming. Thank you for listening. Um, make sure you, um, pray to the gods that they don't destroy us tomorrow, but if they do yeah. plan to destroy us tomorrow, get your buff as best friend and get him to fight Hercules. Yeah. Or if a Valkyrie says, Hey, come with me. Uh, don't, it's going to be scary. Um, or do if you're strong, if you're not, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And make sure Brunhilde doesn't add Elon Musk to the list of humans champions. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Brunhilde, no! Oh, shit! Brunhilde, no! Brunhilde, you just lost us all fuck up disappearing! Oh, no! <laughs> uh, uh, be safe. Don't die. Drink your water. Uh, take your vitamins. Do self-care. For the love of God, do self-care. Um, and... Badoop? Yeah. Badoop. Badoop, y'all. <laughs>